Hello and welcome to our third in the World Sustainability Collective Purpose Planet podcast series. Our website can be found at https colon double forward slash worldsustainabilitycollective.com and you can also find us on our social media at uh, Twitter and that's at capital WSC lower dash worldwide or on Facebook at World Sustainability Collective and also on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash World Sustainability Collective. Today we have one of our founding members, Keith Harvey, along to talk to us. Keith is co-founder and CEO of UGP Energy Limited. And you can find details of their company site, www.unityglobalpartnersenergy.com, and also on social media uh, on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash company forward slash UGP dash energy. Welcome, Keith. Good afternoon, Bill. Thanks very much for having me along. My pleasure. Keith, perhaps you could tell us a little bit about why and when you co-founded your company. Yeah, delighted to share our story. The why is fairly simple. Uh, coming from an agricultural background and then into the uh, biodiversity cleaning product, the, the strive to be socially, environmentally and economically responsible is one of the one of the big parts of why. And really, my, my hashtag of be the difference has been there for quite some time. So the, the why pretty much explains itself. In terms of the co-founding the company, it's quite a long journey, really. It's probably back to about 2010, when we first got involved in probiotic cleaning products. And then through the, through the probiotic period, and in around 2018, 2019, connecting with a, a, an ex-probiotics colleague out in Miami and Florida, more around the, the, the cannabis type sector than the industrial hemp, which didn't really do it for me. So we sat on it for a little while. And then, as we all know, the, the world pandemic of 2019, 2020 came along, two years of destruction for everyone. On top of that, the... I had pretty bad COVID myself, then managed to go one better with a, a sudden out-of-hospital cardiac arrest and the, all the joys that go along with that. And obviously, as I'm sitting here talking to you today, I'm one of the lucky few who was resuscitated and I'm actually kind of back to getting back to some form of business. So the Unity, U, UGP Energy was sort of born out of the six-month period or was progressed from the six-month period of recovery when I got out of hospital. I wasn't allowed to do anything, but I was able to research and converse with Paul, my co-founder, and we started really, really laying the foundations of what we, more what we wanted to stand for, what we wanted to achieve than the, initially the business itself. And that's pretty much a, how we co-founded UGP Energy. A fascinating story, uh, Keith, and and obviously um, cardiac arrest focuses the mind. Um, 
and uh, you you had a very serious bout of COVID. But uh, it seems that, like everything that has a silver lining, yours is a silver lining. So, how would you describe the business model and its link to sustainability of your business? Yeah, well, one of one of the big objectives that we set out was to be was to be environmental and, and carbon footprint reducing, and encourage processes and procedures on the back of that. So our business model's fairly simple on the outside, but pretty complex internally. The we wanted to use a highly sustainable feedstock, which is where the hemp comes in, and we also wanted to. To have a, a an A to Z solution going from a sustainable, environmentally friendly feedstock, which hemp is, and we could talk about that all day. So we'll we'll, we'll just go through the processes, uh, and then into the power plant where we will we will effectively have a zero waste circular economy solution for providing green electricity, potentially hydrogen, and th- th- there's nine outputs potentially from the from our processing of the hemp right through, apparel, apparel, biodiesels, paper, the, the uses are infinite. But the big thing for us was the sustainability of the feedstock and then being a zero waste processing procedures, circular economy. And that is the model that we have, we have worked to build to build the end solution on. So Keith, how does your business model create value? Um, so who are your customers? What do they get? And how, how do, does that remunerate your business? How does that part of your business model work? So then, then customers are infinite. Uh, again, won't go into the in great detail about the ability of hemp. But hemp, for a few things, one of the big things for us was it's it's non-fossil fuel related. It's non-deforestation related. We can educate and empower farmers from the very start of it through the different procedures and processes and the different outputs. There's, there's, there's many different things. I touched on a couple earlier. So apparel, it can be utilised in, in there. So your... Any, anybody that makes clothing or shoes or anything to do with, with what we wear could be an end an end purchaser, which would obviously, the remuneration would, would fit in there in terms of the business making money. But it's, uh, it's more sustainable than what they're currently using. For example, let's use cotton. Now, I'm not decrying cotton as a, as a, as a product for use because you, you, we've all worn it. It's comfortable. But the downside to that is it has a high a usage of water. It requires quite a lot of pesticides and insecticides, and it's not really environmentally friendly. Whereas on the other hand, hemp to produce a, has very, not, not massive water requirements, a lot less than what the cotton does. And depending on where it's grown in the strains, it can be ne- require next to no pesticides and as it's a cover foliage plant it requires next to no herbicides so the benefits are there in that with the outputs being infinite 
Bill, there's infinite uses for the for the products that we can do, and each one of them has has a revenue stream. But we want to be slightly different to traditional business methods, and we want everyone in our supply chain and our purchasers to benefit from the plan environmentally, sustainably, and financially. Okay, so let me just um, clarify one thing. So you you take the hemp that is uh, that is grown, and you can use that hemp directly as uh, a substitute for other materials in fashion and clothes, etc. But you also use hemp as a feedstock into your uh, power plant. Is that correct? That's we use one part of the hemp. So after it's been through the through the process, the decorticator processed various different parts of the hemp, long and short fibers, the herd, the seed, the flowers, and even right down to the roots, everything can be used. But when we get into our processing plant, there's various different procedures and processes that we utilize, but then we also reuse the heat that's generated from certain processes to do other processes. And that's where that that's where Craig, who's helping us to design the plant and his speciality did actually it actually came from oil and gas. So we're taking him away from the old fossil fuel a business and bringing him into a more sustainable business, utilizing some of his existing skills and hopefully learning him some new ones. Yeah, there's a few of us around that have moved over to the other side, so to speak. Um <laughs> Now, in terms of the plant, I'm very interested in, in, in the way in which this plant works because um, you are using uh, the various aspects of the hemp plant uh, as a biomass fuel, um, but you're also producing, uh, as a result of that, you're then producing electricity and potentially hydrogen. Is that the case? Yes. Uh, as, the, as the gases are produced and then... Uh, split into the different, the, I'll, I'll not get into too much detail, the split into the different areas. There's two areas within uh, the pre-energy plant processing where we can potentially tap off hydrogen or utilise the gases for, for other for other uh, process. And then once the pyrolysis has occurred where we split off the gases, there's potential for hydrogen there. But we're going to be quite selective as to when we do that, I, my co-founder and business colleague, Paul, he's a couple of years older than me. I, he remembers being back in school and hydrogen was one of his big, big things that he was really interested in. And his his desire is slightly more down the, the hydrogen route than mine is. But when there's a an ethical, sustainable and financial a, outcome from it that is desirable, that's certainly the route we will go down. For example, we're we're talking talking in an in, in African country at the moment. The hydrogen will not be something that will potentially go down initially in in that country because they have no hydrogen infrastructure whatsoever. There's very little hydrogen infrastructure in, in the UK, but out in Africa they have only twenty percent of the country has electrical power, so we can produce the steam and the gases and everything that comes off the plant that we would, would then select to divide up to, to extract the hydrogen from through different processes will be of more value to the country 
that in, in that country by using it through steam reformation and through generators, etc., to produce power. So it's um, it's a flexible plant, but it's also a plant that you can, I mean, plant in terms of a processing plant, not yes. growing plant, but uh, um, it, it's a very flexible unit. Um, and you can export this unit to various countries. You mentioned Africa, um, but presumably it can be exported to many countries. What are the criteria for your unit to be, if you like, optimal in being used in particular countries? Africa, in my mind, tends to be warm. Um, so is it related to the fact that you have to grow hemp locally or can you bring the hemp in? You know, what, what are the criteria that you need in order that you can export your unit? Yeah, the, the, the unit is modular, so there's about five different working parts within it. Each of them could be modularly increased in size, or we could go with all five, depending on the outputs and the outcomes that we want to achieve, Bill. So when it comes to Africa, I, I'm fairly lucky that I've supported a charity personally and through a previous business out there, so I've got some connections, and through that, eh, we're working very closely with one of the humanitarian Red Cross eh, individuals, cracking, cracking gentleman, and he's got good connections into government. So we've made early stage progress, and I used the old the the old Uncle Sam pointy finger eh, when I was discussing with Blessings when he was saying, "So what what do you need?" For us to be able to assist you to help us, I said, "Well, the probably the first thing is ask, ask not what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country." So the first question to the government was, "This is the this is the overview of what our our proposal can do. Out of that, what is your priority? What is the most desirable thing that you would require that we can do? And let's work together and collaborate on it." One of, the, one of the things that Blessings has come back with is some some big industries went into the country in recent years and they basically raped and pillaged the resource out of the country. They, there's no benefit has come back to the country. That's where an environmental, social and governance stance is completely different. We, we don't want to go in there and say, this is our plan, this is what you're getting if you bring us on board, this is how it's going to be. We want to work with them every step of the way and actually give them what they need. And that goes right back to the African side of things, to education's a big thing for us. Empowering is a big thing for us. So we don't want, we want to go in there and say, right, okay, we'll work with your cooperatives, show them how to do what we need from them. And rather than just buying a crop from them, we're giving them a long-term sustainable solution. Because one of the things that's come out from from our discussions with blessings is that the crops have had failure they haven't had people to buy the crops and it's, it's, it's been a bit of a waste of their time the revenue hasn't come in but back to the original sort of point of it and and working with what they require less than 20 percent of the country has access to the grid and of the of the other areas they get intermittent little localised production and supply for about 8% of the time. So that, in the year 2022, for me, is wholly unacceptable. 
And I think that we really need to be assisting. And I'm, I'm only a little Keith who's who's a, sitting in the edge of Loch Lomond side in, in, in a nice house with 24 electricity, 24 hour electricity constantly. I complain about my broadband though, but mm. it's even that is, is little in comparison. So that's one of the things that that they being brought back from the dead of a cardiac arrest, my priorities changed. And whilst I was all, all, always quite inclusive and collaborative, my hashtag's been there since 2014. Hashtag be the difference. I've always said that. I actually want to be it now. And that's part of my drivers to get this business working. It seems to be resonating some, in some areas, Bill. We've got one of the, the largest energy providers from biomass in the world under an NDA with us talking to them. We've got one of the largest investment houses in, in Europe based in the UK talking with us. We're making inroads in Africa. We're making inroads in various other areas where we've, we're, we're, we've got someone who's bought into our, our vision in the US who was instrumental in the setting up of the gold standard for the carbon carbon trading. We've got a really large hit, and so I'll, 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 be, I'll go back to just being co-founder and owner uh, at some point soon. Obviously, driving the business, it's been my vision from day one, but we've got potentially big news on a, a, a very big-named CEO coming on board with us who has also mentioned a potential a non-exec chairman to bring along with him. So we're, things exciting and the drive forward is slowly getting there. The investment company did laugh when I said that they said, so what, what do you want from us? We said a long-term partner to benefit and collaborate with, with very, very deep pockets. And in the first presentation, they when I was light, ever so slightly aghast at the size of the deep pockets, but they're still talking with us. Not to say that we won't listen to others. One of my favourite sayings, as, as my co-founder Paul would tell you if he was sitting here, he would be able to name it without being asked, is no single point of failure. Mm. Don't, we want to have options. And whilst they are one of the world's largest and certainly Europe's largest uh, finance houses, we won't solely utilise that. We want to look at other collaborative partners who who want to be non-deforestation related, who want to be non-fossil fuel related, who want to be sustainable and ethical, ethical, and who share our drive for environmental, social and social and governance and diversity, equity and inclusion. And if we get that, we're all striving for the same thing. Yeah, it's interesting. My my sons will tell you that I'm I'm a great believer in building options. I think that's one of the key things to uh, to a successful adventure into uh, yeah. into business. Um, your facility, uh, you're going to be building the first facility in Scotland. Is that right? That is our intention. Yes. So it's we've got an area set aside because because of part of our environmental and carbon foot reduction, footprint reduction criteria, we want to be quite close to any potential rail links. A, a shipping link would be ideal as well. Uh, and access to export everything onto the grid and what have you 
from the desired outcomes from the from the processing plant. But we also want to be within a short radius of the potential farmers that we can engage with to, to grow the crop. And what sort of lead time do you have uh, in your mind um, in terms of, you know, getting this facility actually up and running? I mean, and get and getting the whole sort of business and business model uh, proven, if you like. A typical, typical Scots manner. Uh, yesterday, Bill. Yesterday. Uh, but we do have some realistic targets of being up and running by the end of a Q3 2023. There is things in motion. We have actually had uh, big, big parts of individual procedures within this. We do know they work. Uh, we do know we're in, we're in collaboration with individuals who have uh, had pilot plants running. We're under NDA with Manchester University regarding potential collaboration to move forward and ensure that we're getting the best out of what we're doing and that we can academically back it up. The same goes for a Belfast University, working very closely with two professors there regarding the biochar, which is one of the, it almost seems sacrilegious to call it a waste byproduct when it's such a highly desirable, usable a product that will be instrumental in how we move forward. So, but yes, so we're, we're, we're working under NDA with with two professors, both as they are as, in their day job as professors at the university and experts and specialists with countless white papers on, on biochar, mm-hmm. but also with their, their own personal business, our family business, which has the prototype plan and, and has the outcomes. So a lot going on, a lot of collaboration, and something that hopefully we'll see um, feel in touch uh, next year or towards the end of next year. Um, and your plans to export uh, being tested, perhaps um, out in Africa, but uh, with contacts in other parts of the world. Um, so you're really sort of setting uh, a very high standard, uh, not just in terms of your ambition, but also, I would say, of your purpose. Um, you've stated some of the values uh, that you have. Um, how how would you sum up, um, you know, what you personally would like to see as the outcome of this total venture? Yeah, uh, to see empowering others, Bill. Uh, to see our drive and our and our key our keys. Uh, strategic goal is to be socially, environmentally and economically responsible. To see that borne out on the ground, uh, to be able to support the charity on a larger scale, it's, it's orphans out in, in, a, in the African country that we have previously supported and got through education to the point of getting to a, a, an apprenticeship. So to see that on a bigger scale, I, that, that would be success. For me personally, and to, with everyone else that's coming into the business, I, they would want to see longevity. I think, and and really making a difference in the in the environmental and carbon footprint reduction. I think that's that's one of the things that we all agree on: the social aspect and the empowering aspect. We all agree on, but specifically 
is is to drive forward and actually see that see that difference is is quite 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 good when we're having the discussions that everyone's on the same page. Keith, thank you very much indeed for sharing your company with us today. Uh, it is truly a sustainable business, and we at the World Sustainability Collective uh, are very grateful uh, for having you as a founding member. Uh, because, as you know, we want to make an impact now in the same way as you've described it. We will be bringing you more podcasts featuring our members in the coming months. And next month, we have Gary Adlin talking to us. We'd like to thank you very much for joining us today. Please visit our website, https colon double forward slash world sustainability collective dot com to follow our activities and learn more about our Purpose Planet podcast. Please tune in again next month. Goodbye. Mm -hmm.